Uh, bonjour, lovers. This is Hashtag Feminist Friday, your weekly dose of empowerment and gender equality. And I'm your host, Sarah Liberty, recording live from Paris with my co-host, Brad Duntz, in the Sydney studio. Hello. Today, we are joined by a special guest, Christina Turner, who is an industry-leading dietitian based in Byron Bay and who is a pioneer of mindful eating and non-dieting. Yay! As always, if you aren't listening via Energy Group Radio Live, you can catch this segment as a podcast on Spotify and on Emirates In-Flight Entertainment. We will be hearing more about Christina and her work very shortly, but to kick things off, For today's segment, we'll start with one of my favourite songs to do with love, as it is Valentine's Day after all, the 2006, 2006 classic that never grows old, You Got the Love by The Source and Candy Station. Sometimes I feel like throwing my hands up in the
So Christina, as I've alluded to, is an industry leader as and was one of the first to champion the non-growing or the now growing shift towards non-diet approaches in treatment. Um, so Christina's approach is mindful eating, a modern nutritional strategy that is an effective means to help people with eating disorders such as binge eating disorder, bulimia and other common weight issues such as yo-yo dieting, which I think many, many people out there could relate to. But it's also gaining recognition as a general approach to nutrition for improved overall well-being. Christina, welcome to today's segment. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you. So let's jump straight into some questions. Firstly, I wanted to ask, you have 20 years of experience as an accredited practicing dietitian and mindful eating uh, specialist and have worked in Australia and the UK championing this as a non-diet approach. But before we get into your areas of expertise and passion in a bit more detail, can you tell us a bit more about your background and and what led you to this career path? Yeah, for sure. Um, I'd like to say it was something, you know, something really exciting and um, mind-blowing that led me into nutrition, but it was probably a pretty similar story to lots of people. Um, I actually grew up in a rural area of Australia, um, the Snowy Mountains. So oh, yes. for those that don't know, Australia does have snow. Um, and it's like most country areas. As a child, I was really into sport and staying pretty active in the outdoors. And with that, just, you know, I had a bit of an interest in nutrition because I realised it actually helped my performance Um, And so it was just a natural progression when it came to thinking about what I was going to do after school, I started studying formally in that area. So I started out just studying science and majored in nutrition. And then I realized there was, you know, some other, you know, qualifications I guess I could get and went on to study a master's degree in dietetics. And after I'd done that, I'd moved around a lot in Australia and overseas Um, working lots of different things in nutrition Mm. Um, and eventually sort of came across this concept these concepts of mindful eating and anti-diet movements and eventually around that time it just coincided with me wanting to move back to Australia I think I missed the sunshine Um, I was living in the UK at the time and um, (laughs) yeah I'm sure it's a little bit dreary over where you are at the moment but we've had lots of rain too so I guess um 
yeah, it's not so sunny at the moment. But um, yeah, so just moved back to Australia and decided around the northern New South Wales region to Byron Bay. Um, and that led me to start a clinic here. And at the same time, I've also been um, working more recently on the Gold Coast for one of the universities. So training people in nutrition and also training up other dietitians that are new to this approach as well. That's fantastic. And um, I'm really excited to learn a bit more about how mindful nutrition and mindful eating works. Uh, yeah. The next the next question I wanted to, I guess, pose to you is that when we look around us, whether it's in the mainstream media, on advertising, food packaging, in supermarkets, social media, or in the way that celebrities present themselves and their dieting approaches, whether it's low fat, no sugar, paleo, no carbs, getting a beach body or fasting for certain amounts of time. There are a confusing minefield of dieting approaches out there that we are just constantly bombarded with. And at the same time, many of us multitask and eat meals at our desks, on the go, in a rush, rather than allocating time to just sit down and focus on eating when did you realize that this approach well both of both of these situations were unhelpful and I guess you've sort of already mentioned when or what made you decide to champion non-dieting but um yeah was there a specific moment or um you know, spark that made you realise that this was really important? And was it hard being a pioneer in this field to begin with? For sure. Um, I think there was probably a point where I started to change my approach and thoughts about food and nutrition. And I guess as a health professional, I was part of that bubble of all of those nutrition messages, all the Mm. different, you know, eat this for this health condition and do this and do that. And I had been working, you know, in nutrition for probably it was about 10 years and I'd been doing lots and lots of clinics, seeing lots of people for different reasons. And I just eventually the penny dropped because I kept seeing common themes in people I was working with that weight loss was extremely difficult, if not impossible, um, you know, it didn't, my experiences with my clients wasn't really marrying up with what I'd learned and trained to do at university. It just wasn't working, mm. <laughs> essentially. And originally, I thought the problem was me. I'm like, I'm doing something wrong here. I mustn't have cracked the weight loss code properly. And, um, and then I just realized that, you know, just through trial and error, and just really listening to my clients, when we took the focus off weight, when we stop talking about food rules, about what we should and shouldn't eat and just, you know, focus on well-being and that relationship with food, it just freed up people's lives and you could just see that clients were happier. It was literally, pardon the pun, like the weight was off their shoulders <laughs> and, and that really sort of sparked this idea of, wow, like this is something I need to continue to do in my role and start to sort of seek out 
further training on it and, and figure out what I was doing essentially. Um, and then when I started to work in this way, I did actually start to feel really uncomfortable with it because I didn't know anyone else that was kind of working in this way as a dietitian. And I felt like a bit of a phony, to be honest, because mm. I was basically a dietitian who didn't really care too much about what people ate and didn't want to weigh them. And mm. um, so it just felt really difficult. I was getting referrals from, you know, other health practitioners or doctors to see people. And mostly a lot of it was to lose weight or, you know, some kind of very specific dietary advice. Mm-hmm. And essentially what I was doing was probably the opposite of that. Right. Maybe our, our long-term goal was to improve the health of the person, but very different sort of pathways. But eventually, um, I guess it just sort of turned out with the rise of social media, it turned out there were a bunch of other Aussie health professionals who were starting to work in the same way and also many other health professionals overseas and lots of social justice advocates in this space. So then it started to not feel so isolating. And I just Mm -hmm. found that clients were walking away feeling happy with themselves. Their health was improving despite not following a particular diet or despite not focusing on losing weight. And, you know, people that, you know, doctors that were referring these clients to me were supportive as well. Yeah. I have worked with dietitians in the past um, for various reasons, for overall well-being, but also um to help with my to things things like mental health and mood and I've got to say that following meal plans is one of the most boring things in in the world and it's just you know when you're not given a choice or you're not given the option to just think about food for pleasure and you have to shop off a list and the list has to be you know, in a certain way, then it's, it's boring. So it's fun. Yeah, that's not how yeah. life was meant to be. No, no. So you certainly have a very impressive career background of working in government as well as in private practice and in research programs, as you've mentioned. But I'd love to know more about what to lead, what led you to open your own private practice, soul nutrition. Am I pronouncing that correct? Yep. Yep. Yep, That's right. (laughs) Yeah. And your approach of giving it a vibe of a hairdresser rather than a hospital. Now, as someone who absolutely adores going to the hairdresser, beauty salons, getting my nails done and all things fashion, as Brad will attest to, um, I love the sound of this approach. Can you tell us about more what led you to create this type of space and how does that help your clientele? Yeah, for sure. So for a long time, so before I started um, Soul Nutrition, I'd worked for many years in lots of government sort of health settings, so hospitals and outpatient clinics and I guess I'm not sure if you've ever visited any of these types of facilities or maybe Mm. someone listening has they're not usually very well known for being that comfortable or relaxing Um, and although everyone's you know really well trained and everyone's doing their best you know within the system and the facilities that we often have um, 
it's just it's just not I guess it to me when I was working in it I didn't feel like it was particularly focused on people being well I felt like it was more about sickness it felt quite sterile to me Mm. and um as a dietitian, I can just picture many of the clinic rooms I've used in the past in those settings where they were pretty much bare walls, but there was always one wall with a very stereotypical poster from 10 years ago about healthy eating on the wall. And mm-hmm. I just, I'm pretty sure my own personal unhappiness in that environment, because like you, I do like to go to the hairdresser and I do mm. like to be pampered. Um, that that probably got passed on to some of my patients and clients. I think unconsciously they might have picked up on the fact that I wasn't a happy camper. Um, so, yeah, when I went to um, start Soul Nutrition, when I came back to Australia, when I had that sort of real anti-diet approach in my mind, I really was quite conscious of the environment that I'd be creating in that cleaning setting. So I was just really determined to offer something comfortable, um, like you know, all the things, just really basic things around what's on the walls and the, the kind of um, furniture we offer and, you know, just offering a cup of tea. Like how many times do you go to the doctor and they offer you a cup of tea? Yeah, Not often. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and just because, and what I found with my clients is when people do feel more comfortable, when it is a little bit more homey, um, they feel more comfortable to have a chat. You become, you're on the same page. You can really connect more. And ultimately what that means is people will make progress with the things that they do want to work on with their health because they're feeling comfortable. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that connection and trust is really, really important because you want to establish a, a good rapport, a good connection, a good sense of whoever you're seeking help from is is someone that can you know relate to you on equal footing yeah yeah Yeah. should be a partnership yeah rather than you know a a specialist patient type approach Mm -hmm. so that that to me sounds wonderful (laughs) now reading in some of your background material Oh, you've stated that women who have dieted more than five times in their life are 70, 75% more likely to experience depression. Now, this is absolutely horrifying, but it also doesn't surprise me. Do you see this reflected in your clientele? And if so, how do you help them to overcome this? Do you also refer them to people like psychologists or other mental health professionals? Yeah. Um, Sadly, unfortunately, yeah, I do see that a lot. So people that I have often seen in consultations are reporting they're living with, you know, lots of different mental health issues, but depression and anxiety are probably the most common. Mm. And I guess, like you said, it's not surprising. It makes sense if you've been following a diet it's kind of stressful for a lot of people. You know, you're not only thinking about what you're eating a lot, but you're also, you know, thinking about your body size and appearance. And it just takes up a load of headspace and stops yeah. us, you know, thinking about other more fun stuff or other experiences in life. So definitely I see it. Um, there's a few things as dietitians working in this space that I might do to support those people, um, particularly around 
feeling more comfortable with their body image, mm-hmm. um, strategies around feeling more positive about food. So can mm-hmm. least take a bit of a load off. But really, I think you've hit the nail on the head. Absolutely, other mental health professionals are often involved. So anyone that I see, because I predominantly see people with eating disorders in clinic, mm-hmm. um, everyone I see usually has a healthcare team that's working yeah. with them. So a psychologist or counsellor, they might also have a psychiatrist. They'll definitely be seeing their medical practitioner or GP regularly and then any other health practitioners as well. So it's definitely a team approach so that everyone can, I guess, come together and offer our different um, support systems and stay, you know, stay in touch and communicate really help a lot to support the person. And is it easy for people to be able to access these sorts of support? Uh, I don't know about dietitian and, and nutrition, I know that there are mental health care schemes um, mm. for allied professionals with some reimbursement provided by the government. However, they're not extensive, particularly with people with eating disorders. Um, there's only a certain number of sessions that are covered by Medicare per year. Um, how, yeah, I guess, how easy is it to, to go about Firstly, seeking support and um, and how accessible is it for people if if they don't necessarily have a lot of means to get to get mm. support from specialists. Um, it can be challenging, particularly mm. in regional areas, um, yeah. particularly in the area that I work, where you know there, there's not actually a, a high population of locals. Um, and therefore, you know, the money that floods in for health services from the government is is quite low, I guess, compared to the city areas. The good news is that actually just a couple of months ago, it's just before Christmas, Medicare um, actually commenced a new program for eating disorders, uh-huh. which really um, has increased the number of appointments that people um, can access if they have a diagnosed eating disorder. Okay. Um, and it's something like up to 20 sessions a year, great. which is great. And that can be with, um, you know, dietitians, other mental health professionals as well. And if people do live in a regional area, um, sometimes they can actually access that via online consultations now, which has previously not been able to be done. Um, Mm -hmm. So it is slowly changing, which is good. Um, So even if there isn't uh, government health services, there will be private practitioners who can offer that service under Medicare, which is really cool. That is really cool. And um, I didn't didn't know about that new scheme. So it's it's definitely, you know, it's it's positive to hear and I don't often... (laughs) comment on positive things that come out of the government so (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so when when we look at I guess society's approach to weight as a whole as we've already alluded to it can be very unhelpful and as you as you said too much weight is placed on weight 
rather than building a positive approach to eating that focuses on food for nutrition and enjoyment. Um, what shifts would you like to see in society more broadly to address this? And, you know, it could be as broadly as in the media or in the way other health experts work. Yeah. yeah. I think um, there's been some commendable changes over recent times. Mm -hmm. um, I can think of maybe like, you know, the weight loss ads that are now being cracked, on, cracked down on in social media. Yeah. Um, I know they're actually looking at the way Photos are being edited a lot more closely now. Mm -hmm. But the one of the changes I'd really like to see is um, health experts and influencers actually starting to not use their appearance to promote their products. Mm. So, you know, I'm just thinking of a stereotypical image of someone that's conventionally attractive uh, thin, white, heterosexual, able-bodied, um, and they're often using the image to sell products. And so even if it's um, a really great program, really anti-diet, it's really going to help someone, it may send the wrong message to someone that's struggling within the body that they live in. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us and taking time out of your day. Um, Hi, thanks so much for having me. A pleasure. Yes. Check out Christina's work, follow her online. And yeah, take some time this Valentine's Day to enjoy your food. So thank you again, Christina. And Sarah, goodbye Sarah. for this week. You have been listening to Hashtag Feminist Fridays for another week. And our second song for this segment is a track that I really love. It's a new track called Know Your Worth by Khalid and Disclosure, released this year. And I think it really relates to the theme of self-love because it talks about knowing your worth and knowing that you really are truly deserving of love. So enjoy self-lovers out there. And thanks for joining us this week. And see you next time next week. He keeps leaving you for dead. I don't know what you've been waiting for So you've got your love locked up instead But something better's waiting at the door You don't know your
Find someone who 